This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the Walt Disney Studios and all their assorted and sundry affiliates and all the things that they release among those affiliates and perhaps things that the affiliates' affiliates release. Uh, And now that I've said the word affiliates way too much, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, the owner, proprietor, and uh, sometimes blogger over at DisneyFilmProject.com, where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company in chronological order. See, that's what makes it different. Uh, Joining me tonight, we have the fine and exciting film folk who you have come to know and love. Uh, And if you haven't, you really should, because they're they're wonderful. Uh, First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at TouringPlans.com. And he's also Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. How are you, Mr. Todd? I'm good, Ryan. How are you doing? Uh, I, I couldn't be better. I, I am real and full of steel. All right. You were looking a lot, little shiny around the edges. I can understand that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I tried to like buff myself before uh, before coming on today. Buff up? Yes, exactly. Um, I, I, I Mainly because I'm intimidated by Hugh Jackman, but that's a whole other story. Uh, also joining us from the fine world of film critique would be Miss Brianna Alessio, who is the attractions blogger over at DisneyDrivenLife.com. She's also a blogger over at AdventuresOfBree.blogspot.com, where you can see the adventures of one Brianna Alessio. How are you, Miss Bree? I'm doing really well, but it's freezing cold in New York. Freezing? I don't like it, it here anymore. It, it it was. I was there last weekend, and it was freezing cold. I had to. I, we what? actually had to wear long underwear. See, I know exactly. That's the key to winters in New York: layering. It's all about layering. Yes, my yeah. my wife went and got me long underwear from the store, and she was very amused at the fact that the long underwear she got was was nicely packaged, and it was known as cuddle duds, whereas mine was thermal underwear. Oh, yeah. See. <laughs> See, I guess, I guess with guys, the packaging doesn't make as much difference. It's just, you know, hey, thermal underwear. Yeah, it doesn't matter as much, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also joining us as the producer of this program who makes all the edits that probably ensures that that last joke won't be in the show is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can read about the, the trials and tribulations of, uh, and most of those trials and tribulations come in editing the show. But you can check those out at about.me slash Cheryl P3. How are you this evening, Cheryl? I'm doing good. I need to edit. I need to update my blog. So I have not I have not uh, updated my blog because I've been busy editing to try to keep us on track. And here I've been just telling people how wonderful it is. <laughs> and I have not updated. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It, it's good stuff, guys, when you go over there and, and you see um, when he does stuff. update. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, read the old stuff. It's good. 
All right. So this evening I mentioned affiliates, affiliates, and and those sorts of things. Uh, we are talking about Real Steel, which is a uh, DreamWorks picture, but it was distributed by Touchstone Pictures. There's your connection, folks. Uh, it is a film that was released by the Walt Disney Company through their Touchstone Pictures label. They have a deal with the uh, DreamWorks folks to release their films. And so we can talk about this uh, Hugh Jackman starring robot boxing smash whiz bang action film. Well, well you know, it's more than, you know, it's more involved than that, right? <laughs> yes, Todd. How much more involved is it? Uh, just uh, DreamWorks and Touchstone are not actually, uh, they, DreamWorks split from Paramount, right? Yes. So, um, and this was one of the movies they took with them when they, during that split, Spielberg said, this is my movie, goodbye. Yes. Because he can do that. <laughs> when, when you're Steven Spielberg, you can do those sorts of things. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, but the, the deal was is he could not use DreamWorks as the um, company to release it under, which is why it was released as a touchstone film. Correct. Among, among many other soon-to-be-released DreamWorks films from... Uh, from, from the Disney studio. so uh, And it is coming out on the Blu-ray and the DVD and the digital download. And uh, the, the fine folks over at the Walt Disney Studio were, were kind enough to let us take a look at it so that we could share our, our uh, affection or, or whatever review we might have with you fine folks. So we appreciate that. Yeah, it'll be about, out about a week by the time people are listening to this podcast. There you go. So make sure you go uh, check it out if you like what you hear here. Uh, and what we say about the movie, then uh, go check it out. Uh, but uh, as I mentioned, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. Yes. It's the lead in this movie. I love, I love Hugh Jackman, I gotta say. I do too. <laughs> I just, like, from the moment he appeared on screen as Wolverine, I, I've always loved Hugh Jackman. I can't say I've liked all his movies or his TV show, but I, I do like Hugh Jackman. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he can hold his yes. own on The View. That's what I like. There you go. Yeah. What more do you need to know, people? All right. So uh, directed by Sean Levy, who you might know from his work with the Night at the Museum films, probably his most famous works. I love uh, those films. They're fun. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. <laughs> Todd says that with you. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually, uh, Real Steel was the third film released in IMAX format by Levy. Yeah. Oh, with the others being the other two Nine at the Museum films, I assume? Right, yeah. There we go. Yep, so, uh, yes, Sean Levy is the director. I mentioned starring Hugh Jackman. Um, There's some other familiar names. Music by Danny Elfman, which I was not expecting when I saw the opening credits of this film. <laughs> okay. I know I wasn't either. That, that was, I, I was taken aback by that one, but... Yes, uh, yes. The, the man who did the score of, of Batman and Night Before Christmas and every other Tim Burton movie uh, has joined joined the uh, the cast of Real Steel. I didn't expect that. Yeah, well, he himself only does one score in the movie. I mean, he he organized the album is a better way to think about it. Gotcha. Just so okay. you're clear. I mean, because because you've got Beastie Boys and Foo Fighters. Yes, I did love the soundtrack. It was quite quite good. Uh, so kudos to you, Danny Elfman. Uh, all right, so uh, in case you couldn't tell from the trailers and the posters and such and our earlier conversation, this is a movie about robot boxing. Uh, yeah, it is. Before we start, who saw this in the theater? Before seeing this again by courtesy of our, of our friends at Disney. I did. I did not. I did not, but I, I wanted to. It wasn't for lack of trying. I actually tried to go up twice but got uh, derailed. 
But uh, so I was really happy to uh, to get to look at it this time. This was my fourth time watching it. Cheryl's third. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we so, go. Uh, well, well, I saw it in the theater with Cheryl, and then we watched it again on... We like to like spend like one afternoon just hitting the movie theater when we're on the ships. Yes, so, on the cruise. Yeah. On the cruise, right. And, uh, and then it was a late night, and it was playing again, so I watched it again. Because it's... I like it. It's, it's robot boxing. I mean, it's, what's it's not the light? <laughs> big robots exactly. hitting each other with acting. Yeah, the first yeah. time I saw a trailer for this was like back in I think March or something when um, I, I, I used to go to the movies every Tuesday night with with, with my buddy Steve, which yes. you saw this weekend. I and think uh, Steve. the first the first time we went, we saw or not the first time, the second time, second movie we went to see, we saw a trailer for this, and we both looked at each other and we said, "It's Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie." It's, <laughs> it's not just Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I mean. There are points when there actually are pieces of like when they're in the in the junkyard, which we'll get to. Um, they're actually pull some of the robot parts they pull off the shelves are actually designed to look like the robots from Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Oh yeah, <laughs> I noticed cool. that actually. And yeah. and some and the hit one of the hits uh, I think it's when he punches Midas at one point in time. Midas actually goes up and back exactly how the robots do. If you've ever played the game, of course he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. So it's Great. it's it's not it's not based on Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Let's be clear on that. It's not like somebody actually said we're going to make Rock'em Sock'em Robots the movie. It's yeah. actually based on a, a kind of based, I guess, on Rock'em Sock'em Robots and kind of on a short story by Richard Matheson called Steel, um, which again dealt with robot boxing. It's not just a short story. It's an episode of The Twilight Zone. Isn't that the best ever? Come on. That's a fantastic episode. If y'all have not seen that, get on it. Yeah, it, it is a really good episode. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's very different than the uh, what, what you see in this movie, obviously. Yeah, no, very, very different. So Richard Matheson, for people who don't know, right, he's the same author as I Am Legend. Okay, note the the story, not the movie, because he didn't actually like the I Am Legend movie. But he liked this movie a lot, which is why Spielberg ended up giving him credit on it. Yeah. So um, he was he was very pro this movie. Um, I don't think many people liked the I Am Legend movie, did they? Yeah, it's Guns and Vampires. It's like every other Guns and Vampires movie. Yeah, right? I don't. I, I agree with Bree. I'm not sure many people did like that movie, so I don't think that's a, that's a character <laughs> well, judgment on him. The Twilight Zone episode. It, they take place in the future. Well, it's a past future because it was like I think the year it's supposed to be taking place is 1968 it's supposed to be assumed that there was actually a bad war between 1968 and World War II a lot of people die and so there's a shortage of humans so what they do is they ban prize fighting boxing which is like what the type of boxing you're used to in the arena and they start using robots instead that's what the story is about and um, this is a there's a Generation 2 robot, which is why Adam is a Generation 2 robot in the movie, by the way, because that's what's going on. And they're, But they're ro- the two guys who have the robot, their robot is like kind of sort of falling apart, so one of the guys disguises himself as the robot gets in the ring to box the other robot. That's what actually goes on in the Twilight Zone episode. That's basically it. Yeah, so the basic plot of this is, is very similar to, to like the Twilight Zone episode that you mentioned and, and, the, and the Steel uh, with the idea being that humans have been replaced by robot boxers, and uh, Charlie Kenton, who is Hugh Jackman's character, 
um, has uh, one of those robots called Ambush that he is using kind of out on the fair circuit, I guess you'd call it. Um, he's Because the first scene that he is at is a kind of a county fair. And so it's sort of, there's a, it's just like, you know, like regular boxing back in the old, old days, not now, but where there was a, you know, there's a big leagues of boxing and then there was, you know, prize fights at the local fairs and sort of things. It's, it's definitely a throwback to the olden days of boxing, I would say. Yeah. Um, Except one of the boxers is a bull. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah, so that happens. Uh, yeah, so the first match that, that Ambush has is against Black Thunder, which is a bull that uh, belongs to this guy, Ricky, who is extremely obnoxious uh, and apparently was a former fighter who had fought Hugh Jackman when he, when they were both fighters. Uh, and Ambush, um, yeah, that doesn't work out very well for Charlie and his no. robot. But it's Ambush's no. only fight in the movie. Yes. You know what, though? It would have been a little bit better, I think, if Charlie was not flirting with that girl in the stands because his attention was away from Ambush for that moment, and that is when... Yeah. It was, yeah. Point. Each robot was very distinct, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's a true yes. point. Um, one of the things that was really cool about Ambush is, unlike the other robots, he had these very, very long arms. Yes, right? Good for boxing. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Uh, he, yeah. Had, he, had a, he had a good reach. So it was because he was like a stump. He was stumpy, but with you know the big the arms. He reminded me more not of Wolverine, but of Puck from comic books, right? From the oh, from Alpha Flight, yeah, yeah. I so, like that. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, we have a we have a problem here because um, one of the things that you learn right away about Charlie is that he is, and, and I, I think. I'll have to say that I think Hugh Jackman did a great job of making this more than a one-note character necessarily. I mean, like, it's a flat character, I would say. Like, he he does experience growth throughout the movie, but, I mean, like, it's not unexpected. You kind of know what's going to happen to him. and But mm-hmm. that's okay. It's about the journey. It's not about, like, you know, that character. But he did a really good job of showing that this is a guy who's sort of, you know, tortured but persistent is, the, I guess, the way I would put him. Grifter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's he, because that's what I was about to say. You're exactly right, Cheryl. He comes off at this very beginning part as a con man because he's trying to con Ricky out of some money, um, it, you know, because they promised him to fight a smaller a smaller animal uh, instead of the large bull, and uh, he, he basically bets Ricky twenty thousand dollars, and he does so in a way that you know that he doesn't have the money and he needs to figure out some way to to make money quickly. This is a pattern that will repeat itself. Throughout, throughout the film. Yes. <laughs> yes it does. Yeah. He 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 makes bad uh <laughs> he makes bad decisions, this Charlie. I agree, he really did make some really bad decisions and Yeah, he was a little bit too impulsive, but unfortunately not in a good way. Yeah. He yeah, so Charlie makes this this really bad decision with Char with um with Ricky betting him the twenty thousand uh, dollars, which will come back to haunt him because he runs out on the bet before paying that, um, and that that will come back to, to haunt him. Um, yeah. But right as he's getting ready to leave, he gets informed that his his ex girlfriend, with whom he had fathered a child, ha- has died, and he has to go to a hearing where um, his his child is his child is a ten year old boy named Max, or is he ten? 11. Yeah, eleven. Sorry, that's a bit. That's say, I think he's uh, eleven, and he is there with uh, Deborah, the the sister of his former girlfriend, and Max 
you know, is is off camera at this point, but, you know, Charlie doesn't want anything to do with him, right? He just wants to, you know, sign the papers and get out of there until he notices the giant ring that Deborah's toting around and her older husband uh, and figures out a way for him to try and make some money off of this deal. Yeah. <laughs> Again, with the bad decision-making. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's, yeah, he's... I mean, it, it it speaks to his character. He's not the nicest guy at this point in his life, for sure. No. Right? But but truth is, neither is the Marvin sugar daddy to Deborah there. Because, no, uh, also true. Because he's perfectly willing to cut the deal. In fact, he had the same idea. So it's like they yes. both, they had a meeting of the minds, basically, and, and concluded that it would cost $100,000 with 50 up front, so... Yeah. The basic idea being that Charlie takes the kid for a while so that they can go away on a trip uh, in exchange for this hundred grand. Yeah. Which, if you ask me, that's pretty expensive babysitting money. Yeah, I mean, I would gladly take that. Well, probably, some of it probably was his fare. His His fare? fare? Yeah, they have airfare for the kid to get to Italy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see, I see. Okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, and then they would have to get a separate room in Italy and get babysitter and all that fun stuff. The the movie takes place in 2020. You you have no idea what Airfare Italy is going to be like then. (laughs) That's right. It could be really expensive. We don't know what happened in Italy. It could be run by robots, for all we know. That's (laughs) right. Ooh, let's all go to Italy. Robo Italy. Yes. So the, the basic idea is that Charlie will keep Max for for the for the summer while they go away. So Charlie goes back to uh, the gym that he that he is holed up at, which is Talit's gym, uh, where his childhood friend Bailey uh, is running the gym. Uh, and as far as I can tell, the only uh, the only thing in the gym is Char is Charlie and his robots. Uh, yeah, and the boxing ring that's in the middle. Yes. Yeah. But there's no other customers at the gym, which sounds which is a little strange. Because well, okay, well, boxing's been oh oh I mean at this point permed out to the robots. So right, I mean, what are they going to use as a robot practice area? I mean, I don't see that. And also, um, not to not to negate, but don't forget Charlie's mentor was his was um Bailey's father. Yes. Yes. And Very true. and and so I mean, I and like there's a lot of and um a lot of nostalgia there as well, not just a meal ticket, which we find out later. Yeah. Yeah. The whole right. thing is that yeah we find out later about the whole relationship between Charlie and and his mentor and everything. Um, but at this point, uh, it's Max and Charlie basically kind of have a standoff where Max. You know, he's a smart kid and figures out immediately what's going on and that, you know, he doesn't want to be there. Charlie doesn't want him there. They kind of come to a uh, an understanding, though, when Charlie has Noisy Boy delivered, which is the second robot he has in the film. Se- uh, second point of order here, I would not trust Charlie with a robot is one mm. thing I've learned from this film. No. Yeah, I wouldn't either. No. Uh, but Noisy Boy shows up and Max helps figure out some of the things that Noisy Boy can do for the robot boxing, such as the fact that 
since he's been in Japan, his voice commands are uh, Japanese now. <laughs> yes, they are. I so I so love that scene where he where Charlie goes to Max. You speak Japanese? He goes. I play the video games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so obvious, and, you and, know. And the fact that he says the video games is what makes it cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, so uh, Noisy Boy's background, right? Hasn't yes. been seen in North America for more than two years, so that means he's. Bla- that's 2018 going back from the fact that's 2020 in the movie. Um, and he fought another robot named Rubicon, who we know nothing about, in the uh, World Robot Boxing Championship for the belt. That's the real steel belt, by the way, uh, yes. in 2016. Okay, And uh, Max claims to have seen the, the fight 20 times and feels that Noisy Boy was gypped and should have won. He makes, so he's like enamored with Noisy Boy right out of the... Right out of the box, literally, because they see him come out of the box. <laughs> Nicely and, done. I, I agree. And more importantly, did you catch who built Noisy Boy? Uh, would that be the, the same gentleman who built uh, the later protagonist, Zeus, or antagonist? Y- yes, it is. Tak Machido also built Noisy mm. Boy, as well as, as well as the later robot, Zeus. So. Yes. Tak Machido is a little bit intimidating. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a weasley looking nebbish. No, he's a he's, <laughs> he's an overpaid he's an overpaid game designer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which which is really odd because usually you don't get those. I mean, I'm I saying really serious. Under, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, Charlie is, of course, now now he's down 20 grand from Ricky. He owes Bailey rent, so he's trying to figure out a way. You know, he's got the 50 grand, but he spent 45 grand on uh, Noisy Boy. So now he's trying to figure out how he's going to make money, and he takes, uh, Char- he takes uh, Charlie and Max and Noisy Boy go to the Scrap Palace to, to fight uh, on, on the underground circuit. So he goes to his friend Finn to kind of get a fight and, and try to make some more money. Well, we get a we get a good taste of Max, by the way, at this point too. So Max is already pissed off he didn't get to go to Italy, and he blackmails Charlie, yes. Yes. him along because Charlie, Charlie was running out on Bailey, right? And Max, yes. he was going to leave ba- he was going to leave Max with Bailey, and he Max blackmailed him to come along. So I kind of like father like son. I just want to say right there, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought at that moment. I so love what he did with the keys over the sewer. What's going to happen if I drop these keys? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Can, can we discuss one thing for a second? That he's little Thor boy. Absolutely. Did, yeah. did you know that, Bree? No. Yeah, he played. He's the uh, actor who played the Thor, the young Thor in the Thor movie. When they're having the flashback to him and Loki as kids. He's, I re- I realized I knew him from somewhere. I just wasn't 100 percent sure on that, but that's so he, funny. I did not he know that. Thor, yay verily. He's yay verily, Thor. and that that explains why he's a pasty white boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that and genetics. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he's he's mini Thor. I like it. Yes. So they're they're at the Crash Palace. And they go to get a fight uh, with Noisy Boy uh, against the illegal champ, I guess you'd call him, Midas. Uh, because Charlie, again, with his poor decision-making skills, rather than just try to win a quick fight, 
because he has probably the best robot there. But rather than try to make some quick money and win the fight, he instead decides he's got to take on the champ because he can win more money that way. Yeah, it might have actually been a good idea to actually spend some time learning how to use the brand new robot that you just got. Yeah, rather than just uh, throw it in a truck and drive off, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, was kind of interesting. So at this point in the movie is when we start getting the heavy Rocky references. This fight is modeled after Clubber Lang fight that Rocky has because he is that's why Midas has a mohawk and the dancing that they do around the ring is almost exactly the same choreography for a little bit there until then they get to full Rock'em Sock'em robot mode yes interesting I didn't I didn't notice it that much but like the whole the whole rest of the film is basically like Rocky I mean that's that's kind of what it is Oh, yeah. But that's not I'm not saying that in a bad way. You know, it's it's good. Yeah. Like we said, the overall plot is the same as Rocky. They actually run through it a couple times through the movie. It, it, the truth of the matter is, basically though the the uh the last um third of the movie is that the world champion gives an unheralded local fighter a shot at the title, right? That's that happens in Rocky, that happens in this. Uh the champion gets the unexpectedly gets the fight of his life, which is what happens between um at the end of the movie. Okay, um, and the champion also wins in a controversial split decision to the disdain of the crowd. Happens in both movies, and each fighter gets many injuries. Happens in both movies. Okay, and despite <laughs> yep. being a lo- despite being losing the loser, the challenger is declared the people's champions in both movies. Yes, booyah, people! It's it's, it's very 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 much Rocky. Yes. Um, but again, like I said, you, even though you know what's going to happen to Charlie, and it, from this point forward, basically, or not quite this point, but after the next bit, you know, you know, basically what's going to happen. It's okay because it's about the journey and, the, and spending time with the characters. I agree. Um, because what happens, of course, after Noisy Boy gets destroyed, is Charlie's trying to fix, figure out a way to, to either fix him or uh, you know put together another robot from scraps. So he and Max break into a junkyard, and after some back and forth, uh, they Max falls over the side of a cliff, which sounds way worse than it than it is, because um, he actually slides down and ends up snagged on the arm of a robot. And uh, Max spends all night digging the robot out without Charlie's help, which I thought was probably his cruelest moment of the entire film. Charlie's, that is. <laughs> well, I would he- agree. All he did was say, if you wanted the robot, you have to get it yourself. I, I mean, granted, he kind of left the kid alone, which I don't know, was the, which I think it was the not nice part of it. Yeah. But, but making him dig oh, yeah. the robot out that he wanted, I didn't have a real problem with that. Well, and the fact that the robot, though, was kind of enormous. I mean, compared to the size of Max, especially, that's a lot of work for a little kid. Yes. In general, the robots are enormous, though. I, I don't know. Even compared to, like, me, the robots well, yeah. are so, you know. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think it's more leaving him alone in the middle of the night to dig, to dig this thing out. That was, I was like, like wow, that's really mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, this is this is when they go through the, the background of the of the um, world that they're living in is in this junkyard. But this junkyard is named Metal Valley, by the way. It actually mm-hmm. it says that on the gate. Uh, but they talk about uh, the generation run robot boxers and how they tried were still trying to make them look human because they thought that was necessary so, to get people to actually watch them. And that's when they start pulling off pieces of robots that look like Rock'em Sock'em robots from the 
from the shelves uh, that I was mentioning earlier. But really what, what it ended up being is that people didn't want that. People just wanted more carnage. <laughs> he actually says that. And I could buy that. I mean, if you're going to stick things in there that can't die, you might as well see them get destroyed. I mean, that's the bottom line. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. And he also mentions that originally it was people versus robots, which is a throwback to what we saw in the Twilight Zone episode. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then it then they just kicked the humans out completely. And said it's yes. all it's all robots. Yep. So what we find out is this is this robot is called Adam. They take they take the robot back to, to the gym and Bailey powers it up and what they figure out is that this is a like you had mentioned earlier, Todd, a generation two sparring robot. So it's basically there for the other robots to, to box with for practice. Um, which means that it can take a lot of hits. Unlike Noisy Boy and Ambush were, uh, but it's it's also not big enough to to really do any damage to anyone else in a fight. However, right. Max doesn't care about that, no. uh, and he he uh, has decided that this is a world champion robot, um, which is an interesting choice when you see the bot uh, compared to everything else. But uh, a couple of things that are interesting about Adam, though, is he has a shadow function, which becomes very, very important in this movie, where he, when he's looking at you, uh, he will mirror your movements. Uh, so Max sort of works with that to uh, originally teach him to dance. I also I wanted to comment regarding um, and Max thinking that Adam had an AI. Yeah, that, I think that's what connects Max to Adam. Yeah, they implied yeah. there was going to be another story there, and then they never dive into it. I, I, they, they, do it. I they, they, they do it. Well, we talk about the superhero thing. So he goes, your secret is safe with me. Which, to me, is like, it's like, that's okay. It's a superhero thing. It's like, you, you know, your secret's safe with me. I won't tell anybody you're, you're a spaceman, you're Wolverine, whoever. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody. <laughs> but, but, um... No, but I really, but I, so I kind of thought that Adam had, Adam had really had the AI, and I don't know if they were going to go, I like, like you talked, I'm not sure they were going to be the plot, or that this was the plot, or that was that supposed to be his connection to Adam. Yeah. I was a little bit confused by that, too. I, I did think they yeah. were going to go into that, but, I mean, to me, it seemed like, he was more than just a robot. That's how, kind of how I looked at it the rest of the movie because of what went on in that scene. But yeah, it, it was kind of it's, it's it's hard to say really. I mean, the the blue light right is like the blue lightsaber that that um, Luke has right and when he starts out right. It's it's supposed to be it's it's generally speaking considered a calming color, so they always give it to good guys. The blue right, so he, he's right. set up like that to begin with. Um, I like that he has basically they put. Whoever built him put a fencing, welded a fencing mask on on the front of his face, and then like they like welded a smiley face into it. I also just wanted to mention that Adam isn't much older than the other than like Noisy Boy was because uh, he was built in 2014, they say, and since yeah. Noisy Boy was fighting in 2016, there's not the time frame is very short between all these robots. He's not an old robot, is what I wanted to say. He's he's older, but he's not like ancient. Right. It didn't happen. No, all he's that just long. A, he- yeah, he, it's just that he was there when the when the start of the robot boxing kind of took place is what's implied, basically. You know, they built him as this, you know, early generation robot, but you're right. He's he's right behind everybody else uh, in terms of age. Um, but, yeah, they did kind of – I mean, they kind of infer the whole AI thing at the very end of the film. 
but yeah, it's not like a sustained plot point. You're right. Um, but it's an interesting idea. You know, it's definite. Max definitely believes that that Adam has some sort of of artificial intelligence, uh, but but Charlie does not. Um, but because of that, Max decides that Adam needs a fight, and he, you know, kind of t- makes Charlie uh, agree to do that, to do that, to go take him to a fight, and uh, he has to teach Adam uh, how to fight. Uh, and so they get him over to to the fight, which is at a zoo, literally a zoo. Uh, Actually, they stop off first. You forgot. They you do? forgot the first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They get first. They he goes to see his friend, not um, who is I think it's Finn again, right? But he goes to see him at the WRB at a WRB match in the arena. Yeah. And that's the first time Max sees Zoo. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. I I apologize. You're correct. On the way to the fight, yes, uh, yes, they stop off at a at a WRB place because Charlie is trying to find Finn, who's his friend from the uh, the scrap factory, to get some money. Uh, basically, just begging for money. Uh, yeah, and and Finn calls him out and says, "Look, dude, you're not a good bet." Right, which is harshing his mellow, to be sure. <laughs> and, and incidentally, this is when you're first, so we're first introduced to Zeus, like I said, and Tak Machido, who built Noisy Boy and Zeus, and the evil Farah Lemkova, which is quite the name for a villain. Yes, well, it is Farah Lemkova, darling. It seems like a James Bond villain, doesn't it? It does, yeah, it does. Yeah, I didn't think about that, yeah. Um, yeah. It's another Rocky reference, right? Because, um, well, well, wait. So, again, it's, it's remember, uh, the name of the uh, champion in Rocky is Apollo, right? Apollo yes. is the son of Zeus, and Zeus is the champion. Oh, there you yeah. go. So, there you go. I also like this as a Microsoft 720 ad. Up, up, I was going to say, there, there's a lot of product placement in this film. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. I saw yes. Microsoft, Hewlett-Packard, Sprint, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, but if you if you go to a boxing match, there's lots of product placement, so it's not really that that different. Yep, True. I'm sure. I'm sure they made a lot of money though, charging for product placement. So. Oh, oh yeah, it did. Yeah. Yep. Uh, more power to them, man. By the way, we will accept product placement here on the Disney Film Project. We we do from our good friends at touringplans.com. But if you're other others of you out there who are interested, just letting you know. Um, yeah, like Coca Cola, whatever you know. Right. You know, yeah. Whatever yeah. it is. We're just saying. Uh, but yes, we go. We, we do meet Zeus uh, at this at this event, and uh, Max gets to kind of peek in on Zeus's fight, and he's a, he's a big fan of what Zeus has done. But the basic thing that is expressed about Zeus is this Tak Machido has built Zeus to be adaptive so that he adapts to whatever is going on and he cannot be beaten. So he is he is the robot champion. Um, it's obviously setting up a fight between Adam and Zeus, but again, like, this is, again, one of those movies where you know exactly what's going to happen, but it doesn't matter, you know, it's the fun is in watching it. So, uh, back to the zoo. Uh, after after that, we we get Max. Uh, th- this is my favorite interplay between Charlie and Max. Is when Max is trying to pilot Adam against uh, the the robot at the zoo uh, called Metro, and Charlie is just sort of standing beside him, you know, kind of mocking him almost. And I thought that was probably the funniest you know interaction between the two of them in the whole film. Well, I I think he was using it to teach to teach Max 
it's not as easy as it seems, right? Right. But Max surprises him, and so does Adam. I think is what ends up happening. Absolutely, yeah. I just, I just thought like the from from an acting standpoint, the two of them, I thought they had pretty good chemistry. I wouldn't call it fantastic, but you know, good. But this moment, I thought the two of them played off each other perfectly. In you know, in the stress that Max was feeling and Charlie's sort of smart aleck remarks uh, to him, I thought you know the the back and forth was really good. Yeah. Right. And the the match lasts two rounds, and Charlie and Max, but Charlie wants to bail after the first one, and Max bets double or nothing, and basically yes. takes Metro out. Okay, and what's and that's when Charlie starts to get the sparkle in his eyes because he sees that Adam can actually earn them some money. Yes, but again, like father, like son, that was not a good bet if you look at it objectively. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> Um, don't, yes. don't take me wrong. It wasn't, but you know, it's it's an underdog movie, so it was it was the right bet for an underdog movie, but not necessarily the right bet to begin with. Right. Um, but it does beating Adam lands them another fight for four thousand dollars. They don't really know understand what it is, what's happening at that point in time. Right. No, and, and yeah, after they after they beat Metro and they're walking out, they get another fight, and uh, as they're they're getting ready to go out on these other fights, then Charlie. Uh, is convinced by Max to train the robot using the shadow function because Max upgrades him, takes the vocal recognition stuff from Noisy Boy, puts it into Adam, and then um, also convinces Charlie, like, he's got to learn some moves so that when I call out these vocal moves, he knows what to do. He, he also um, puts he also puts um, the shoulder joints, he says, from um, ambush in, in him as well so that he moves faster. So he actually completely upgraded Adam. Yes. Uh, but but he's got to have some basis for what he's doing, right? He can't just he can't just you know go out there and be told uppercut because he doesn't always know what an uppercut is. So right. he uses the shadow function and has Charlie, who was a former boxer, uh, teach Adam how to box. And that's probably the scene that most of you have seen from the trailers or anything, which is the. Uh, the scene of Hugh Jackman in his sweats out on the lawn kind of teaching the robot to box. We forgot to about also teaching him how to dance. Yeah, well, uh, we, t- we said Max teaches him how to dance. Max teaches him how to dance, that's right. That is indeed a priceless moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Charlie uses the dancing to as a promise from Max to, so that he'll then go train Adam. That's like the deal that they make. Yes. All right. So that the next time they go into a fight, then Max has to do the dance before the fight, and then Charlie will coach, will will teach Adam how to fight. And so then we get a fabulous montage sequence of them, you know, working through each each victory, uh, kind of working their way up through the ranks yes. uh, using Adam. I, I know the names of the robots that they fight. Of that course you do, because you're Todd Perlmutter. Yes, they fight, uh, well, they do, they do an Air Force battle, a rodeo bar battle, and a... Um junkyard battle or it's a beach or a junkyard it wasn't clear to me what that third battle was but the names of the three robots are chaos wall street and one-eyed jack nice wall go. street that's interesting so yeah yeah I wall street does not strike me as intimidating no yeah. i don't understand it either but it was there you that probably was had it. good backing dun, 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 dun. but um, um maybe <laughs> 
yes, but after 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 the montage, they are given a fight in uh, the World Robot Boxing League, uh, and they're they're going to go fight uh, Twin Cities, which is a uh, two-headed robot. Uh, but it's it's a huge opportunity for them because it's Adam getting into the big leagues for the very first time, and so they go to, they go to that fight and subsequently get uh, beaten pretty badly in the first part of the fight until Charlie, being a boxer, notices that Twin Cities has a tell. Uh, in other words, he, he kind of has a body movement or something that shows when he's going to punch or when he's going to make a certain move, and he's able to use Ad- get Adam to exploit that to win the fight. Uh, and so everybody's kind of going nuts about how that is, you know, this little robot came in in, their fir- in its first match and won the fight. And then Max decides to run in the ring and steal the microphone from the ring announcer. <laughs> yeah. Again, like Bad father, idea. like son. Yeah, no. Good. Not a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he was instigated with before the match. That's why he does this. Yes, he was because yeah. right before the match, right before the match, um, they were brought up to uh, Farah Limbova's suite, and she offers to buy Adam from them. Now, I'm not 100% clear why that is. Ooh, me, 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 me. Conspiracy yes, theory. Oh, okay, go. Yes, go. I, lo- I love a good Cheryl conspiracy theory. I on, think, bro. I think Tashimoto there knew about the AI in Adam being the robot. See, because he's a robot designer. You don't think these robot designers don't talk to each other? So if the if if there was an AI function, Tashimo might have known, or might have heard a rumor about it, and that's why they wanted it. Oh, maybe. Interesting. I just like that it's it's, it's called Zeus Suite. <laughs> yeah, the Zeus Suite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's my theory, folks. Prove I me, like it. Prove me wrong. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But. Yeah, Max gets in because of all of this. Uh, Charlie wants to sell, of course, because they offer him two hundred thousand dollars. But Max says he's not for sale, and because of all this, after the fight, uh, Max grabs the ring uh, microphone and challenges Zeus to a fight for the title. He calls her out for trying to buy the robot too before the battle. Yes, he does. Kids got spunk. Yeah. But then they're leaving, and Ricky, the guy from the very beginning, who, again, we told you, bad decisions, uh, catch up with Charlie. He and his men show up and beat Charlie, uh, frankly, within an inch of his life, and take their prize money. So that's always good. In theory, he did owe it to him. I mean, I, I disagree. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. With, I disagree with the beating part, but in theory, he did owe it to him. So, I mean... I, I'm glad you disagree with the beating part. I'm I'm very happy to hear that, actually. But um, I I I I do think that could have been done better. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because he says to him, he says to Charlie, you know, this isn't all about the money, which makes me think, what is it all about? Is it all about like par- partially from what happened previously because they went to high school together, or something that happened with their. I don't know if he was talking about an interpersonal relationship there, or... Well, they didn't go to high school together. They fought against each other. He was... When he says his his record is 24-19, right? 24 wins, 19 losses. Doesn't matter because there was always a knockout. 
okay. Yes, right. Yeah. Right? That that whole yeah. thing, right? Uh, Ricky was one of the guys who he fought, and Ricky knocked was one beat him in that fight. So it was a it was a rivalry thing. Mm. So and Ricky, not really that nice a guy. He's not. No. 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 I kind of wanted to punch him through the entire film. Yeah. He gives Texas yeah. and run for the money. Literally, yes. Yep. But but that that incident causes Charlie to kind of realize that this might not be the best life for an eleven year old boy. Mm -mm. Right. Which the fact that it took him that long kind of tells you where Charlie's at in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But he takes he takes Max back to his aunt and uncle and then goes back to Bailey. To, to basically, you know, try and figure out a way to start over because he and Bailey had had a falling out and Bailey had said she didn't want him around anymore, that she was trying to make something of herself with the gym and, and move on. And uh, But he, he goes back to her and, you know, basically admits what we all knew throughout the entire movie, that, that he loves her. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's not much to their love story, in case you guys think we're giving it short shrift. There's really not much to it, because they, they only have about three scenes together. Well, and she's she's completely smitten with him in every scene. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can assume that they dated when, when he was a boxer. We, I mean, there's, there, I mean there's, a lot of back, there's a lot of stuff that you have to just assume, because they can't tell yes. us everything. So. Right. Well, that's I, what I, I mean, like she, about this film too. I'm yeah, when she's doing the flashback with Max, and she gives Max the article, and they talk about the 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 other Rocky fight that Charlie had. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Because because again, remember we're saying the theme repeats itself. We learned that that Charlie was had a Rocky thing going on because he was a nobody who was put up against the top contender in the world at the time, and it was supposed to be a sparring match, and he almost kicked the top contender's butt. But he exactly. didn't. But he didn't. And he subsequently got knocked out because that's how all of his fights ended. That's right. That's what yep. right. That's where we learned that story. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and you can see here when he goes back to Bailey, this is where I feel like the character is a little a little more than just a one note character because you can see him sort of struggling with being in love with her, with wanting to be a father to some degree. Uh, to Max and and you know and also wanting to you know basically win this fight and because he knows it's important to Max, um, so that's that's where I feel like Jackman did some of his best acting is like the scene where he drops Max off and then the subsequent scenes, uh, I feel like he he kind of gave Charlie a little more character than he had perhaps in the script. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, but he. When he finally changes his tune, he goes back to to get Max and is convinced convinces his uh, convinces Deborah uh, to allow Max to go with him uh, for the Zeus Adam fight, uh, which they have apparently gotten off 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 panel. No, that would be comic books uh, off screen. Yes, <laughs> there we go on the right. Uh, so they yes, there we go. So they have the Zeus Adam fight, and I think you can probably figure out. Uh, what happens from there based on Todd's description of Rocky, which is Adam fights Zeus, uh, and through, there's several things that happen during the fight, so we don't have to go through, through every single one of them, but, you know, the, the basic thing is, um, Adam, Adam and Zeus fight, fight to a draw. Ooh. 
we forgot stuff. We forgot stuff? What we forgot? We forgot that Ricky gets his tail kicked. Right. Well, that does, that does happen. Um, yes. R- Ricky, um, Ricky makes a bet with Finn for $100,000 that Adam will not make it to the second round. And, uh, yeah, Adam makes it the length, and uh, Ricky gets cornered by Finn. But uh, we don't actually see him. We don't actually see him getting getting his behind licked, which is sad be- because I wanted to. Yes, very much so. Yeah. What's also What's also funny is he had offended Finn by calling him like using the word homies, right. and yes. then and then Finn goes and uses it, uses it, and 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 it's like he knows he's doomed. Oh yeah, yeah rightfully so. Rightfully so. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but uh, th- and as you've probably been able to tell, the, the, the vocal receptors go out, and then uh, Charlie has to use his boxing ability and the shadow function on Adam to, to win the fight. Uh, and so he, they manage to fight to a draw, and then, uh, as Todd said, they, he ends up being crowned the, the people's champion, even though Zeus wins on points. They don't just fight to the draw. It's really cool what Charlie does at this point. So... Do you know about boxing? I know you're a sport person, but do you know what boxing match is referenced in this scene? Yes, I do. You do? Go. I do. It is It is the famous rope-a-dope. Yes, it is. So, And that's, uh, that's the battle between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman because Muhammad Ali was not nearly as strong as George Foreman was at his prime, which was uh, during that fight. And so yes. in order to um, take down George Foreman he had to tire George Foreman out because that was really George Foreman's only weakness was his own body beginning to work against him. Yep. So he, he did exact, he took a beating to within it, uh, it. If you ever watch the old, I mean the old fight, it's, uh, it's not, it's really hard to watch Muhammad Ali take that beating. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, if you if you if you saw the movie and if you haven't then we've spoiled the whole thing for you but you should you should watch it because it's it's quite good. Um, yes. If you see the movie and you see Zeus pummeling on Adam here, I think it goes on for about maybe a minute and a half. That fight that Todd's talking about, I think it goes on for almost an hour. <laughs> yes. The pummeling it's... just just keeps happening in in that Foreman Ali fight, but it's definitely that is exactly what's being referenced here. Right. Uh, is that fight and like you said, Ali was older. At that time, he wasn't in his prime, but uh, he just kind of waited, took the beating, let let Foreman wear himself out, and then, bam. <laughs> yeah. And there's one more thing that's referenced here. Do you know what it is? Yes. No. No? <laughs> yes, no. So uh, so, so there's a point where they, he taunts him that one last time. Do you, now, where, do you know where that taunt comes from? The Rock? No, that's Wolverine's taunt. That's the original Wolverine taunt that John, John Byrne did, where he'd always go to his opponent's... You know, he'd get that grin on his face, and he'd hunch over with the hand oh. just under his chin, and he'd go, come here, and that was exactly what he makes Adam do, so. Nice. Oh, nice. I also, yeah. like, I also like the fact that they had, that Tashimoto got so upset, and they, they did the classic video game thing where Tashimoto goes, throws the guy out from the chair, pushes him out of the chair, gets us in to go into the controls. Because he does not want to lose. Yes, and and the best part of the controls is that they're actually Rock'em Sock'em robot controls. Because you got you yeah, get two are. sticks, 
in Rock'em Sock'em robots, right? And that's what they are. He's got two sticks, and he's moving them the same way you'd have to move them. Yep. But yeah, that's the, that's the basic idea of uh, of Real Steel. Um, I have to say, I know the, what they were going for with the Rocky reference and the People's Champion thing, and it's, you know, frankly... I felt it was a little too obvious. Like, I felt like at that point, like I said, this is a predictable movie, and that's okay, because it's about the, the characters and the journey and all that kind of stuff. I felt like he should have won the fight. Like, I know that's the predictable move. That was, the, that was really my only quibble with the plot, was I felt like, you know, at that point, just go ahead and let him win the fight. I think maybe right. she had brave... I think she might... See, I, another conspiracy theory. I think she all might, right. I think she might have bribed one of the judges. I think that's entirely possible. I think she possible. had a few judges in her pocket. I, I, I think she had all the judges in her pocket, I'm just saying. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> just just my gut feeling, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, like I said, I mean, like, with, with Rocky, it was not originally intended to be, there was not originally intended to be a sequel, and they went and made a sequel. I don't really see them making a sequel to this movie. Well, sure, no, they, no, they, no. sure they could. They could, well, okay, they could age the kid. Right, and they can do make, something like that. You can make sequels to any movie. What I'm saying is, I don't think I, I just don't think there's anywhere for them to go with it. Right. I mean, where do, where do you go? What do you do at this point? Well, I don't know, but I will say, with the amount of money they made and the fact that when I was in Target last night, I saw Real Steel toys. It wouldn't surprise me if they did it. Right, but they could make more money if with, if they're going to go marketing and toys. They can make more money with a cartoon on on one of the Disney channels. Yeah. Then they True. could with a movie. I mean, I'm just over time. You know, three seasons of a cartoon makes more money. Generally, makes more money than a movie these days. I got tech stuff. I I, I would expect no less. I know. I know. Well, first of all, this this movie uh, for those of you who haven't purchased it yet, but may have already seen it and they're just listening to the podcast. Um, it's the third. Um, well, it's, by the time this comes out, I think it'll be the fourth movie that will be. Um, compatible with second screen, right? Because it was uh, Tron, uh, Lion King, um, Bambi. Oh, I'm sorry, Bambi. Bambi, Bambi, Bambi Lion King. Yeah. And Lion King's the next one, right? And then, or this, and then Lion King. I forget which way it's going. But, um, yes. so this is, but I, even though I had a Blu-ray copy, it is not yet online. It won't be actually online until the day of release. I can't actually have tested it beforehand, but it's there and it, it I'll be, I'll be playing with it that day because I want to see what they have to offer. Um, yep. The um, wh- what's very interesting, okay, is that um, they did two things to do the robots in the movie. They, for every robot, they did C- both CGI and built an animatronic to go with it. Okay, which I found very interesting because I read that when I was reading about the movie. That's really interesting because that is not what I would have expected. I would not have expected actual robots, and I think it paid off big time for them in in some of the realism of the bots. I, right, because okay. I mean, there's there's scenes when when ambush is moving a lot, like when he's that literally like you know running and stuff like that towards the bull and stuff like that. He's that's CGI, okay. When they have ambush spinning around on his midsection with his arms out, that's that's the actual animatronic robot, which is just crazy cool because you really can't tell that the different like when they're swapping them in and out at that point um the um the fights themselves you know that like i said the motion itself 
was actually captured from, uh, they used real professional boxers, and they were trained and supervised by Sugar Ray Leonard. Okay. And oh, they wow. Used, and they used the same, uh, what they call now, simulcam tech that's used as Avatar, uh, that was used for the movie Avatar. Now, for those who don't know, what it does is on the fly, it will convert the actors to look like the robots on the screen in real time, not on the film, because that's actually done in post-processing. Okay? But the... Right. Um, the director and the cameraman get an ex- get a screen next to the camera, okay? And when they're filming the... Uh, and then there's a big screen usually that the actor that's not the robot can see as well, okay? What what happens mm-hmm. is, is those screens get a, get a mock-up of the robot on them as they're filming so they can position the camera correctly and the other actors know to look up correctly or down correctly, you know, and how to, how to hold their heads and where to hold their hands right. and stuff like that. It's a very clever technology, and you're going you're gonna to hear a lot of really cool stuff about it going forward because now it's been used successfully in two movies. So it's, it, at this point, you know, after the thir- you know, third time will be the charm, and then it'll just take off from there. It'll be used in almost probably every movie at that point for one, one reason or another. Um, it, it's really cool. Like I was saying, they ha- most of the robots are just simple hydraulics, right? Like either they have shoulder joints or midsection joints going on. Uh, Adam actually has an, was an RC-controlled robot. Gotcha. So, so some of his uh, boxing moves that you see yeah. are not actually CGI. They're actually them controlling them with an RC control. I thought that was kind of c- cool. That's old school, man. I know. Well, yeah. for those that don't know, RC is, is just stands for radio-controlled, and it's the, those controls that you see um, them do race those little toy race cars with. Well, I wouldn't say toy, but toy is what I'm going to use there because I'm not yes. sure what the technical term is so um, very interesting is to make uh, the scene to make the uh, press scene more modern in terms of the movie modern not our modern they, they had to seem a little bit beyond us um, they actually used the uh, red cameras and they used the new epic model cameras because again it's a product placement thing these are like $30,000 cameras and then so but the, everyone in the press had them the company lent them to them to use and then took them back kind of thing and they all had the 3D lens attachment on them just so they you know so all that was so people who recognized it knew that those press were filming in 3D which is very interesting phones on them are real concept models of uh, Android phones I was going to ask that because the phones the phones that they use are obviously not like phones that we have today. They're different they're different looking. I wondered if what they were going to do with that. I'm so glad you answered that. Yep. Well, well here's the thing, right? Uh, it's it's 2020. It's only, you know, 8 years from now. So, yeah. uh, Le- Le- Levy's um, feeling was that he wanted it to be familiar yet looked a little bit beyond where we are today. So, his he, he's quoted in an interview that I read as saying that even though we, we all have iPods and iPads today. A diner is still a diner when you go to yes. eat, right? So and I thought that's a, that's a really awesome way to look at it because that's what he's saying is, is that while things change, things remain the same. So the fo- to him, the phone had to look advanced, uh, a little bit advanced to us and different than what we use today, but at the same time be familiar to us as a phone. There's an entire subplot that was deleted from the movie. Um, we're, okay, we're talk- what was we're that? Talking, well, we're talking about Max and how he seemed he wasn't intended to be the character that he's presented as in the movie 
they actually wanted him to be way more like Charlie, so they had this whole thing going on where he's actually hustling Deborah, and he was, remember he mentioned he wanted to go to Italy, and he was upset that he wasn't getting to go to Italy? That was because he was conning Deborah so that he could go to Italy, and there was this thing about his mom and her butterfly pendant and stuff like that, and then by mm-hmm. the, they, so they go through all these additional scenes with Charlie, I mean, with Max, and then it ends with Charlie and Max right after they get, right after he gets beat up by Ricky uh, after the Twin Cities fight, and the uh, the butterfly pendant. There's actually a story where Charlie says he actually got that for his mom, and there's actually there's a, that one's actually the real one, and you know it, it's just a very interesting, strange thing. But the kid is not very nice, and I think they want to make the kid seem nicer than he actually was, so that's why they cut the whole subplot out. Yeah, I could see touches of that in the in the movie because I mean, like you said, the whole the very first part where he's talking about not getting to go to Italy, but there there's some definite edge to the kid. You know, they they didn't make him just the flat. Hey, I believe, and I'm special, and yay, all smiles. Like, there's a little bit of an edge and a hustler thing to him that comes straight from his dad. There are additional features on the Blu-ray, and I thought we'd just talk about those a little bit, since that's, you know, why we were given the movie to review, was that the Absolutely. coming out of Blu-ray. The first one is the countdown to the fight, the Charlie Kenton story, which is a, this news thing, like it would be on, like, Sports Center, and it's a retrospective view of Charlie Kenton's life, and they... It was. It's about takes place. It was filmed between uh, the Twin Cities fight and the Zeus fight, is when it's set for having been filmed. And they talk mm-hmm. about how it's it's Charlie and it's leading to the fight. And he makes this comment like nobody's ever wanted to do a retrospective on me before. Nobody's ever even interviewed me about boxing before. And, and so it's very funny. And he talks about his life story and, and how Charlie and Joe Talent met. Uh, we also learn about the fight between Ricky and Charlie, which is why I knew more about it, which and incidentally took place in 2006. That's to give a year for it. So again, putting perspective into the whole thing. Um, and we learned that robot boxing started in Japan, and then what happened was is that it went viral on YouTube, and once that happened, everybody just went crazy about it, and it came over to the U.S., and that was the end of it from there. You know, just That was the end of real boxing, and that's when robot boxing took over the next interesting thing that they have is uh the making of metal valley which is how you you know it's a whole thing how they went um to the outskirts of a town and they took one of those mining uh things facilities and they built extra sets there and they threw extra stuff in there and they made it you know so it's half one of those scenes that's half cgi and half real yeah and, it, and they talk about um, what the, talk about the creation of the set. They talk about uh, the amount of fake rain they had to do because there was a lot of fake rain going on in that scene. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Those, those, those two were drenched in that scene. <laughs> they really were. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it's really funny because they comment that the water was actually warm so that they wouldn't be freezing, so that the shivering and stuff that they were doing, they had to fake a little bit because they were actually making it more like a shower. <laughs> wow yeah um, so they just put all they didn't just spend all that money on the water they spent all that money to heat the water as well which is interesting um, very kind of them they also had to make that that mountain that he slides down there was actually a slide and a mountain built and they actually show how they made that and how they set it up so that I thought that was interesting and um, it's just very that I thought both of these were just very interesting 
things, and then they go on to discuss the creation. In another one, they discuss the creation of the robots, which is how I learned some of the stuff. Uh, and it's not they're just talking about the mix of the live-action CGI they show. It was done, and then they have a little short bit about Sugar Ray Leonard as well on the Blu-ray. I'm very impressed that they got Sugar Ray Leonard to to do the boxing bits. That's that's impressive. It is. Yeah. But I guess if you're Steven That's Spielberg, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's one really important thing to mention that's on the Blu-ray. Yes, sir. You, you know what it is? There's an awesome preview of Avengers on the Blu-ray. Yeah, I don't want to hear about this from you. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I, Let's just... Yeah, because I'm going to now buy the Blu-ray, and it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. to, to see the three-minute preview. <laughs> Probably. Well, I like the movie, too, and just the, the fact that both of those things are there, you know, the, the, the movie's there and now an Avengers preview. Uh, that's, that's, that's nothing bad comes out of that, is what I'm saying here. It, it, that just seals the deal right there. Yeah. It, yes. It's, it's pretty good, too. It ha- it's very much the same as all the previews have been, right, because they've been building... They've basically been taking the same trailer and building it little by little by adding things to it and then re-releasing it, and they do that again here. There's a lot more Hawkeye in this one than before, a lot more. Which is fabulous because we love the Hawkeye. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, all right. That's that's it. I'm good. So, real real steel. Um, Is it a real steel? Cheryl Perlmutter, what say you? Um, I le- I love this movie. I think it's a five. This movie is Boom. great. This I mean I mean it, it has, I mean you can tell it's Spielberg because you know he has that connection with the AI thing, which brings you back to ET, kind of. And then um you know it just has that story and that in in the history there, and it's I I think it's great. Whoa, Cheryl just made an awesome connection that now I'm, like, seeing the whole movie differently, right? Because there's the, if you put Adam as E.T. and and Max as Elliot, wow. That was really good, Cheryl. That was good. Kudos. (laughs) All right. Brianna Alessio, what do you think? I really enjoyed this film. It really is, it's great. I mean, the acting is is pretty much on par all the time. Um, there, are, there are some moments where you kind of lose the chemistry between Charlie and Max, like you were saying, Ryan. But, um, I mean, I think most of the moments between them are very strong. And it's a movie with robots. And it's, they're, they're like violent robots. It really does not get better than that. <laughs> I mean, that's, like, yes. amazing. <laughs> I'm going to give this one a four. I really love it. Todd Perlmutter. Oh, my turn? So... I have this love of, you know, the B science fiction type movies. Right? Like, if I was to compare another movie that I like, which is, well, okay, one that we wouldn't ever review on this podcast because it was rating, but again, a good reference point for what, to me, what a modern B science fiction movie is, is the original Stargate movie. Yes. Right? That's a B, that's a B science fiction movie. This, this is the same thing. It's a real, it's a B science fiction movie, and it's a really good one. Um, I, I, for me, for that type of movie, for the enjoyment that I get out of that, for the fact that I've been willing to see it four times, and I've kept my eye on the screen all four times, I give it a four. Impressive. I'm, I'm like you. Like I, I, it may be that I went into this with low expectations, but you know, I went into this this movie um, just expecting kind of a dumb action movie of of robots fighting each other, 
and that's what I got, but in the best possible way. Like it's like like you guys have all said, it's hard. Like when you're us and you watch movies, you know, two three times a week just to to, to do the show or to, to do the various things that we do. It's hard sometimes, and we've talked about this before. To like you said, Todd, keep your eyes on the screen the whole time while you're watching. You you know, you, sometimes you're playing on your computer or your phone or you're doing some other things while you're watching the movie. This one was one I couldn't take my eyes off of. You know, I just watched the whole thing from beginning to end, and I was like, I just stop it a couple times, and I was eager to get back to it. And it's just, it kind of sucks you in, uh, and it's fun. It's not, it's not a brain puzzler. You're not going to be, you know, it's not Inception or you know any of those kinds of movies that are going to challenge you. But it's fun to watch, and it's it's just an, an enjoyable ride, kind of from start to finish. So I agree. I will give it a four. Uh, not at all what I was expecting, uh, but but like I said, in a good way. So uh, go out and check out Real Steel. Go pick it up on Blu-ray or DVD. It is. It should be by the time you are listening to this, should be out. So uh, go go pick it up if, if you want to check it out, or uh, uh, and make sure that you uh, let the fine folks uh, over at Disney and DreamWorks know that uh, that you like it. So I'm sure they will appreciate it. And you can also let us know that you like this show or or that you liked Real Steel. You can leave us a uh, comment on the show notes over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Send us a tweet over at, at DizFilmProject, or you can leave us a message over on Facebook. We're at Disney Film Project on Facebook. Um, before next week, make sure you go check about.me slash Cheryl P3. I'm sure she's going to have lots of notes about this one, about uh, the horrible things that we've said throughout the entire show that she's cutting out. Um, so if you want the if you want the unedited version of, of us and Cheryl, uh, go check that out there. Uh, go over to DisneyDrivenLife.com and check out Bree's Attractions blogs and my film blogs. And then uh, check out TouringPlants.com where you'll see uh, Todd and myself doing some blogging. And then you can also check out Bree over at Adventures of Bree at AdventuresofBree.blogspot.com. Uh, all right, folks. So um, until next week, um, I, I, I don't have a quote from this movie just because I like to say real steel. Don't worry, your secret is safe with me. Win or lose, fight's not over till someone's on the mat. We fight smart, be patient, and pray. Seriously, pray. <laughs> <laughs>